Well, let me start off by telling you guys a little story. So a couple years ago, Beth and I started looking for a new home. Back then, we only had one kid, but she was pregnant with our second. You know, we lived in your average, like, three-bedroom, two-bath house, which is plenty big enough for two kids. I'm not saying that it's not. But the problem is I work at home 100% of the time. So every time I'd come out to use the restroom or, or to grab a snack or to get something to drink, Leanna would see me. And on my way, I'd go back to my office, and she would cry, and she'd come and knock on the door. And you know what? It was really cute at first. But then, you know, you actually have to get some things done. So instead of spending money on a commercial office space, what we decided to do was try to find a house where the downstairs could be our living space and the upstairs could be my office space. There needed to be a a bathroom upstairs as well, so that that didn't happen anymore. Now we found the perfect house. Like, it was beyond perfect. It had every little single detail that our hearts desired. Like, it even had the little jacuzzi tub that Beth wanted in the bathroom. I didn't really care about that, but it had it. And even though we aren't the first people to live there, I'm pretty sure that God built the house just for us. Like, that, that may sound kind of crazy, but I'm pretty sure that he did, he did. There's one thing that we didn't like, though. The paint color. It's this vibrant, golden shade of yellow. And it's everywhere. Like, even the garage is yellow. No joke. You'd think we'd maybe, like, paint the house before we moved in, Right? or at least paint it within the first few months of moving in. But here we are a year and a half later, and most of the house is still yellow. Yeah. So last Sunday, I stopped by Home Depot on the way home to grab some paint and supplies because I finally found enough motivation to paint one room, right? I got everything ready. The room was cleared out. Beth took off all the plug covers, and I was about to open up the can of paint and realized I'd forgot one thing. You know that little putty that you have to use to fill the holes in the wall before you paint? I didn't have any. So I went to Dollar General because they have everything, right? They even have a paint section, but they have everything but the stinking putty. They didn't have it. So we're not real close to Home Depot, so I was trying to decide, like, do I go to Atwoods next or do I go to Ace Hardware? For some reason, I was drawn to Atwoods. It was probably the little chickies. I don't know, because we take Leanna there often. Well, they didn't have it either, but I did pick up some painter's caulk instead because I was like, "Eh, that'll work, right? It should fill a hole. Well, here's the deal. Let's back up a little. On my way to Atwoods, I noticed a young guy standing on the side of the road, and it looked like he was waiting on somebody to pick him up. Like, he didn't have his thumb up. He wasn't trying to wave anybody down. He was just kind of standing there. I was like, oh, he's just waiting for somebody to pick him up. But then on my way home, he was a little further down the road walking. Now, I was on a mission, like, to get home and get the stinking house, get the stinking room painted and get it over with, right? But I couldn't deny the Holy Spirit trying to get my attention. So I drove a little further, and I just couldn't deny it. So I pulled in, turned around, went back, picked the guy up, asked him where he was going. Well, he needed to go to Michigan. I was like, well, man, I can't take you to Michigan. But I, how, can I take you to the bus station and buy you a bus ticket? And he was really thrilled with that. You see, it's interesting because just two days before this, Beth and I had taken time to sit down and write out our goals for 2019. And one of my goals was I want to become more bold in my faith in that like whenever I meet strangers, like one-on-one, I want to be able to share Jesus with them without reservation because I'm just not there yet. And you know how God is. Like you make one of these requests known and he's going to give you an opportunity to test it out, right? So this was my opportunity, and he didn't wait very long. He just waited two days to give me an opportunity. So I took the guy to downtown Tulsa, and on the way, picked him up, something to eat. And on the way there, we talked a lot. And turns out, 
he'd already given his life to Christ. And he was actually living quite the life of faith because he actually expected somebody like me to show up and pick him up and take him to where he needed to go because he believed that God would do that for him because God had done it before. So that was a lesson in itself and one that I'm really grateful for. He actually probably poured more into my life that day than I poured into his. And interestingly enough, we were the same exact age. We're both 30, but our lives couldn't be more different. He didn't know where his next meal was coming from. But I know that every day when I come down from my office at five, Beth has dinner ready for me. Yeah, it's awesome. Thank you, Beth. You're awesome. (laughs) It's for the children, she said. It's not for me, but still, I'll take it. So he had several kids. They were kind of scattered around. They didn't really rely on him for anything. And I have several kids too, but they shape almost every area of my life. And none of this to say is to say that my life is better than his. To tell you the truth, his faith for God to meet his needs in that way was inspiring. It was actually a lesson to me that I have room to grow. Now, during, his, during our conversation, he opened up a lot about the hopes he had for his life. He had a lot of hopes, things that he wanted to accomplish. The problem is he also had a lot of downhill habits over the years that kept him from his uphill hopes. So interestingly enough, most of us have uphill hopes, but downhill habits. For example, I hope my finances improve this year. Now I need to go get my daily Starbucks. Or I hope to get closer to God this year. Beep, 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 beep. Just nine more minutes of sleep, please. Actually, you know what? I'm just going to turn that off. I don't feel like going to church today. And you know what? Hope is a good thing. Because take a look at this. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future. And everybody say, hope. So imagine what would happen if we aligned our habits with our hopes. Instead of hoping that our finances improve while continuing on with wasteful spending, we write a budget and we actually follow it. We deny short-term pleasures for long-term gain. And most importantly, we follow what the Bible says to do with our money, and we actually tithe 10% of our income to the Lord. And we don't stop there, but we actually live a life of generosity, meeting every need that comes our way when the Holy Spirit leads us. So right about now, barely into my message, you may be feeling a bit guilty, right? I know I should have done these things all along, but I just haven't got there yet. Just haven't done it yet. And the temptation is to just go ahead and give up now, right? I haven't done it so far, so I might as well just give up and not even go there. Well, I want to encourage you to hang with me. Don't turn me off. I may push a few of your buttons today, but just keep on listening because you might get something good even after I push your buttons. So let's just start today by wiping the slate clean. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past. What matters is what you do moving forward. Take a look at this scripture, Philippians 3, 13. I've not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. Everybody say one thing. Forgetting the past. Everybody say forgetting the past. And looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. That's the scripture I was telling you guys about earlier. This is Paul speaking. He focuses on one thing. Isn't that interesting? I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past. One of our core values here is we don't waste one moment in regret. 
In other words, we forget the past. And this is key to living limitless life in Jesus. So let's leave the regret behind. Let's leave the past behind. Let's leave our bad habits behind. And let's just focus on pressing forward this morning. Can you all do that with me? All right. Take a look at this scripture. Romans 12, 2 says, Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God, and you'll be changed from the inside out. So this morning, we're going to fix our attention on God, fix our attention on God so we can be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and maybe respond to it. Quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best in you. And he develops well-formed maturity in you. How many of you guys want that? I know I do. So today we're starting a new series called Uphill Habits, a new direction for a new year. And next week, we're going to talk about creating good habits in your thought life. And to be quite honest with you, that's probably going to be the hardest one to get and probably the most important one for you to get. So I want you guys to be back here next week because we all need it. In week three, we're going to talk about creating Habits that keep your life aligned with your purpose. Because how many of you have noticed how easy it is to get distracted from what God is calling you to do? And then in week four, we're going to talk about choosing your relationships carefully because the people you hang out with are going to determine the course of your life. But today we're going to talk about the first habit. And here it is, habit number one, focus on what I do first. The principle of priority, or what you do first, runs throughout the entire Bible And actually, I can figure out a lot about you by watching what you choose to do first. What we do first reveals priorities in our life, whether we realize it was a priority or not. For example, if you're approached with several events taking place at the same time, the one you choose is your priority. Now, that doesn't mean it was your favorite event. Instead, it may revolve around who's going to be at the event, or maybe who you want to impress, or more than likely, it's the one that's going to benefit you the most. So let's talk about three ways that you can focus on what you do first. Number one, put God first. This one seems obvious, right? And it makes sense. Putting God first in our lives is going to yield amazing results in our lives. But talking about putting God first and actually putting God first are two different things. Okay, this is a strong statement, and it might hurt a little, so just brace yourself. Everybody ready? The truth is, if God is in your life, but he's not first, he's not in your life. God doesn't take second place. He doesn't sit on the back burner. He won't be your third wheel. You either want God in your life or you don't. Another way to say it is, if you don't put God first on your list, he's not on your list. Because how many of you have noticed that when you put him after something else, He usually doesn't make the list because you get too busy. The bottom line, your life either revolves around God or it doesn't. You know what? It's not God's fault. And it's not God being like your needy friend that needs all of your attention. The simple truth is God was here first. God gave his first son for you. And for us to live the life we were created to live, we have to put God first by following his example. Because what we do first reveals our priority. And when God is our priority, our life is is a display of who God is, and we get to live in the benefits of that, and everybody around us benefits as well. Take a look at this scripture, Exodus 20 verse 3, you must not have any other gods but me. 
It's no mistake that the first of the Ten Commandments was to put God first. The most important habit you can start this year is to put God first. Put God first. When something else tries to take first place, regardless of how good it looks, you say, nope, I've put God first, so I'm not going to do that. So how do you put God first? That's a great question. I'm glad you asked. Brings us to point number two, give God the first of everything. Now, at most churches, the only time the pastor talks about this concept is when he wants to get a little bit of money out of your pocket. And you know what? I think that most of the time, whenever pastors talk about that, it's, it's from a pure motive. They, they really just want to see the kingdom of God grow. However, this is not a money principle. Yes, money is one of the things on the list, but it's not even the most important thing that you need to give God the first of. Now, if you've been in church for long, you've heard about tithing. And if you're new to the church, the word tithe simply means the first 10%. And in most cases, we only bring it up when we're talking about giving, but check this out. Leviticus 27.30 says, A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It's holy to the Lord. So let me ask you, should you give the first 10% of your income to the Lord? Yes. It's a biblical principle, and it comes with a load of benefits, and it works. If you think about it, you give more than 10% of your income to the government. And is the government working? Huh. So it's really not as left field as you might think to give 10% of your income as a tithe to the Lord. But the principle of giving God the first applies to more than just your money. It applies to your greatest resource, time. So why does God ask us to tithe anyways? The purpose is spelled out clearly in Scripture. In Deuteronomy 14.23, the purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first in your lives. Whoa, look at that. Imagine that. It says it in the Bible. When you neglect to give God the first part of your time and your income to God, you actually end up putting God on the back burner. And when that happens, he never makes the list. There's way too many things to distract you. So if God is not the priority in your time and money, you'll likely never get around to giving him much of either, even if you intended to. Like you may have intended all along, like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give to God. I'm going to give him some of my time, just not first because I got some other things to take care of. The problem is he never makes the list. Whenever you do that, you got to set him first place and then everything else is taken care of. Otherwise, you get to the end of your pay period with no money left over. Or you get to the end of your day with no energy and no time to pray because you already gave it all away. So the purpose of the tithe, get this, it's not to provide financial stability for your church. Can you believe that? That's not the purpose. And it's not to fund your favorite outreach. It's actually much more personal. Everybody say, tithing is personal. The reason you tithe is so that God will always be first in your life. And when God's first in your life, there's no limits to what he can do in and through you. If you want your life to make a big impact, then you need to make a decision not only to give God the 10%, first 10% of your income, but of your time as well. So I want to dig into that. What does it look like to give God the first of your time? So let's break it down. Let's talk first about give God the first of your year. Now, as a church, this is something I'd like us to do together by participating in 21 days of prayer and fasting. Now, we're going to do this for one reason, to declare that God is first in our lives, because at no limits, we put God first. Otherwise, why are we meeting? 
And this sounds like a really good idea on the surface, right? Some of you are getting really excited. I've always wanted to pray more. But what happens is we're probably all going to get a few days into this. It's going to get a little tough and maybe not so enjoyable anymore. And some of you guys will probably even count down the days until it's over. Only only 15 more days of prayer and fasting left. Am I going to make it? But we're not doing this because it's easy. We're not doing it because it's enjoyable. We're going to do this because God is first in our lives, even when it's not convenient. Now, some of you are good with the whole 21 days of prayer thing. You're like, yeah, I can do that. But you're thinking to yourself, did Kay just say fasting? (laughs) Now, if you've never done it, and even if you have, fasting can be kind of scary. But fasting doesn't necessarily mean going without all food. There are different ways to fast, but they all have one purpose. Biblical fasting always has to do with eliminating distractions for a spiritual purpose. It hits the reset button of your soul and renews us from the inside out. I heard it said really good yesterday on a message that I was watching that like, how many of you guys know that we're, we're body, we're soul, and we're spirit? We're three different parts. And at any given time, like one of those three is going to dominate your life. Either you're dominated by your body and those passions, or you're dominated by your soul, your emotions, or the relationships, or things like that, or you're dominated by the spirit. When you fast, you're denying the body and you're denying the soul. And you're letting the spirit man take control and lead your life. How many of you know that we need more of that? It's really easy to let the flesh, the body, rule our lives because we're hungry and we want to eat that and we don't want to say no. It's easy to let the soul run your life because somebody made you upset and you have all these emotions running through you or something happened to you and so it's running your life. But we fast because we want the spirit to make the decisions. We want our spirit to be the strongest part of our being. Now, fasting should present a personal challenge. If you choose to fast something that you don't really like anyway, I hate to break it to you, but it's really not a fast. And to help you decide what your fast should look like, I want to go over the four different types of fasting. The first one is a complete fast. So in this type of fast, you drink only liquids, typically water, with light juices as an option. Has anybody ever done a complete fast? Second one is a selective fast. Now, this type of fast involves removing specific things from your diet. One example of a selective fast is called the Daniel fast, during which you remove all your meats, all your sweets, all your breads, and all you consume is fruits and vegetables. Number three is a partial fast, and this is sometimes called a Jewish fast, and it involves abstaining from eating any type of food in the morning and the afternoon. So this can either correlate to specific times of the day, like I don't eat between 6 a.m. and 3 p.m., or it could be like from sun up to sundown. How many of you guys have heard of that kind of fast? And the fourth one is a soul fast. And this is a great option if you don't have much experience with fasting food or you have a health issue that prevents you from fasting food, or you just wish to refocus certain areas of your life that have gotten out of control. So for example, you might choose to stop using social media for the duration of the fast, or you might choose to stop watching TV for the duration of the fast. And then when you reintroduce it after the fast, you do it in a healthy dose. So I imagine most of you already know what you need to fast. Some of you guys are going to do a complete fast. Some of you are going to give up the pop, give up the soda. Others are going to stop using social media. Whatever it is, I want you guys to go with what the Holy Spirit is leading you to do. So 21 days of prayer and fasting starts today. Because I don't want to give you all time to talk yourself out of it. And it ends on January 26th. 
And we're going to do this alongside Church of the Highlands, which is a church in Alabama. And it's really cool because they're going to be holding a one-hour prayer service every day during the fast at 6 a.m. Is anybody up that early? Most of you? Some of you? Well, you don't have to watch it live if you don't want to, but it would be a good thing to do, especially if you have a hard time getting up at 6. Good challenge for you. But anyways, so... 21 days of prayer, you guys may be thinking like, I can pray for like 30 seconds, like, thank you, God, great day, amen, yeah, going to work. So if you need some help praying, if you need to know how to pray, what to pray for, like, that's what this service is for. They're going to have worship, and it's just going to be a great, like, guide for you guys to know what to pray for and how to pray. And I'm also going to give you guys a printed prayer guide next week that will help you along the process as well. So at the end of my message today, I'm going to give you a way to sign up, and I hope that everybody will choose to participate because it's the best way to give God the first of your year. And it's the best way for us as a church to focus on what God wants to do through this church. Imagine what God could accomplish through this church if all of us were putting God first, if all of us were letting our spirit man lead the way and make our decisions for us. Imagine what would happen. It'd be awesome. All right, so give God the first of your month. Let's talk about that. So this is an opportunity for you to sit down at the beginning of every month, and write out a plan for your money and for your time. So on or near the first of the month, you take time to decide where your money is going to go that month, and you decide what you're going to do with your time, or more importantly, what you're going to say no to. And when you do this, you start with prayer, and you allow the Holy Spirit to guide you in those decisions. So imagine what life would look like if God helped you write a budget and helped you determine what to put on your schedule, and most importantly, what to say no to, It enables you to put God first by designing your schedule around him and putting tithe at the very top of your budget before you do anything else. It cuts out the the overwhelm that most of you guys feel in the middle of the month whenever you're running out of money or whenever you're just overwhelmed because your schedule is crazy because you didn't take the time to think through it first before you said yes to every opportunity that came your way. Hey, I'm guilty. Been there, done that. Simply because you took time at the beginning of the month, to decide what you're going to do with your money and what you're going to do with your time. All right, so give God the first of your week. Did you guys know that Sunday is the first day of the week? Some of you guys thought it was Monday, but it's not. It's Sunday. So this is actually one of the main reasons that church is actually held on Sunday, so that you can start your week with God. What would life look like if you made church a priority for one simple reason? Not because your friends were there, not because they had the best music, but because you wanted to put God first in your week. Now, let's take it a step further. What if you didn't just give him an hour on Sunday, but you gave him the whole day? Some of y'all just got a visual of yourself like on your knees praying all day, and you're like, I just don't think I can do that. But here's actually what it would look like. You get up, you come to church, ready to worship, ready to serve, and then after church, you go with a few people out to lunch. You encourage them, and you build some meaningful relationships. Then you go home, and you take a long nap, You play with your kids, you enjoy your family, you said no to your phone, you said no to getting in a little bit of work to get caught up for the week, you simply rested, worshiped God, and loved on others. How many of you know that starting your week like this would make a huge difference in your life? And not just for you, but for those around you, right? Your family as well. So why not make a decision to do it? And be so determined that you're going to do it that you don't let anything distract you. An opportunity comes, hey, you want to, can you come into work on Sunday? Nope, can't, because I'm putting God first. And your boss will be like, okay, weirdo, right? But you know what you're doing. 
you're making a difference in your own life. All right, so let's talk about the last one. Give God the first of your day. Uh-oh. Kate's about to start talking about getting up early and praying and studying the Word and having quiet time, right? And I get it. We've all struggled getting up early and spending time with God. And if you're like me, you've tried it several times to create this new habit. I'm going to get up early and I'm going to pray and I'm going to study the Word and it works for a few days and then something happens, right? I get tired because the baby keeps us up at night and I got to sleep in a little bit the next day or, you know, something always comes up. But let me tell you this, there's no reason to overcomplicate this. I think we like to do that. Giving God the first of your day can be as simple as waking up and setting your thoughts on Him first, thanking Him for a new day. Thank you, Lord, for a new day. And you resist the urge to pick up your phone and look at the notifications that came in overnight, right? Just leave it on the bedside and continue to think about the goodness of God and what He's doing in your life and how He's blessed you as you get ready for your day. And then you just let this grow into whatever it grows looks like for you. It may end up being you get up early and you study the Word or pray. Or maybe your prayer will simply take place quietly in your mind every morning while you're waiting for that next snooze alarm to go off, right? You got nine minutes to focus on the Lord. That's a pretty long time for most of us. The important thing is that the first thing you do in the morning is not grab your phone, but set your focus on God. Resist the urge to see who texts you and take a moment to thank God for what He's going to do today. Because here's the deal. If you give God the first of everything, he's going to show up in your life. He's going to blow your socks off. Which brings me to my last point. Expect God to bless the rest. Everybody say expect. When you give God the first, he takes it and he multiplies it. I don't know how he does it. Like it goes beyond human reasoning, human understanding. He he does it. He multiplies it. When I give God the first of my time, He multiplies my time. When I give God the first of my finances, he multiplies my finances. You're looking at a guy who accomplishes a lot without being overwhelmed. And who's financially stable enough to spontaneously go buy a stranger a bus ticket. And who's able to give beyond his ties to whatever ministry presents a need in front of me. And how do I do this? Is it because I'm like really super smart or have some kind of special advantage? Absolutely not. You may have thought so, but I don't. Here's the key. It's because I've been giving God the first 10% of my income for the last 15 years. Consistently. never Even when it was hard. Even when Beth Beth and I had to make casseroles for dinner and split it up into eight parts and make sure we only ate one part because we didn't have enough money to buy groceries, we still tithed because we believed in the principle. You know what? I'm reaping a harvest right now of what I've been planting all these years. And the increase didn't happen right off the bat. Some of you guys are like, I tried tithing like once and it didn't work. Nothing happened. Nothing changed. You got to do it and you got to keep doing it because you believe that the word works. Not because you see a result. You got to tithe because you want to put God first in your life. You don't tithe because you want a result, although the result's going to come because the word promises it. So yes, set your hope on that, but tithe because you want to put God first. Let that be your reason. So check, take a look at this. Proverbs 3, 5 through 10 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Because you know what? If you depended on your own understanding, you would never tithe. Because you got groceries to buy and you got things to do. I want to go on vacation and I need my money for something else, right? That's what your understanding says. But if you seek his will and all you do, he will show you which path to take. How many of you guys want direction in your life? 
How many of you guys want to know what the next step is instead of just out there wondering what God wants you to do? Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then, here's the promise, he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. So you put your understanding aside, your idea of what money should do, and you follow the words, wait, and he will fill you to the point of overflowing. Like it's not just enough, it's more than enough. So the series is called Uphill Habits because it's not easy. The things we're going to talk about over the next four weeks are not easy, but they're possible and they're worth it. So make a decision today to put God first in everything you do, regardless of how hard it is. There's going to be times you don't want to do it. Hey, I can relate. There's times I don't want to do it. There's going to be times other people tell you not to do it. Can you believe that? People would leave you down, lead you down the wrong path. Don't put God first. Do this instead. But make a decision that nothing is going to distract you from putting God first. No expense is going to come before your tithe. You're not going to schedule anything on Sundays, except if it doesn't have to do with worshiping God, loving on others, and resting. You're not going to pick up your phone first thing in the morning. You're going to put God first. All right, so your next step today is to make a commitment to join us in 21 days of prayer and fasting. So every, every day during these 21 days, I'm going to text you a link to that prayer service I was talking about from Church of the Highlands which I want everybody to watch every day. Like, that's part of the process. Like, it's not going to be convenient for you to sit down for an hour and watch this service, but just do it because it's part of the process and it's part of making this work in your life. And you're going to pick the thing that you're going to fast. I don't know what that is, but you know what it is. I imagine almost everybody in this room already knows. And you may not know until tomorrow, and that's fine. We'll see. So I'll give you an example. Like, for me, um, I tend to, like, get to the end of the day and don't have a whole lot of willpower left. And so, like, I'll eat really good all day. And then, like, it's evening time, and that's when I have a bowl of cereal. Or, and I'm eating things. I'm not even hungry. Like, I'm just kind of bored, right? And so I'm just eating. And it, it's been a thing that the Holy Spirit's been like, you know, okay, that's probably not the best for your health. Yeah, but the cereal's good, so I'm just eating it anyway. So that's the thing. I'm fasting. After dinner, I'm not eating anything until breakfast. So that's my food fast, because that's what the Holy Spirit's leading me to do. And I've already started fasting social media a few days ago because it was getting out of balance in my life. Every time I picked up my phone, somehow my thumb found its way to the Facebook app. I don't know how that happens. Like it's, it's some kind of trance or something. So I deleted the Facebook app from my phone. That way I can't even like complete the habit. You just like go looking and you're like, ah, where is it? Oh yeah, I'm not doing that anymore, right? So I'm fasting social media too. So you don't have to do what I'm going to do. I just give you that as an example. Beth is fasting anything that has to do with sugar. She likes her sweet treats, and it's going to be a real challenge for her because she likes to eat her desserts, and she's going to say no to them for 21 days. Guys, I'm really expecting God to do amazing things in your life through this. Like, I'm really excited. I, I really hope you take it seriously and, and just do it, even if you don't want to. Actually, especially if you don't want to, because that's when it's going to make a difference in your life. We're going to get to the end of this 21 days, and you guys are going to have clear direction of what you need to do in your life, like the next step. We're going to have clear direction of what we need to do as a church, and God's just going to show up, and, and He's going to lead us because we're putting Him first in our year. He's going to, it's, this is setting the pace for our entire year here at No Limits. Amazing things are coming.